Good evening. We're going to be uh, having another worship service this evening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for those who are streaming with us. Um, if you want to have your Bibles out and turn to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be studying from the book of Matthew, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, again, uh, and moving that to the evening right now. Um, but if you want to be following along in your Bibles as we study that, that's where we'll be tonight. Um, thanks for being here. We're going to have the slightly modified service tonight like we did last Sunday night. Uh, we'll have the sermon, uh, a prayer, the sermon, and then we will have uh, the cut the live feed and have singing here for those who are here. And the Lord's Supper is made available for those who would like to partake of that. Uh, and with that, let's go to God in prayer and then we'll begin. Our holy and gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. Thank you, Lord, for providing us with uh, our homes. Thank you for providing us with the jobs that we've uh, been given and, and the, the, the providence that you've given us up until this point, that you've made it possible for live a life, to live a life that uh, has been so blessed and so comfortable up until now. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you'll be with all those who are struggling and those who are suffering right now. Uh, with finances and things like that. We pray that you'll uh, watch over them and, and provide for them as you know how and as you promised to as uh, they put their trust in you. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to do what we can to lift them up as well. Lord, we pray for all those who are sick right now that you'll care for them, uh, that you'll be with those who care for them as well and, and help them to stay healthy. Uh, please be with all the hospitals and uh, help them to remain uh, in and uh, functioning uh, operation and everything to go well for them uh, as they try to treat this disease. Lord, we praise you for all that you give us in your word uh, that, it, that encourages us, that lifts us up, that helps us to know that you love us, that you're with us, and that you want to help us throughout all the uncertainties of this life. Uh, as we face different anxieties, uh, we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to, to lay those anxieties on you uh, we know that you care about us and that you want us to, to, to lift you up in our prayers uh, and, and to exalt you as a God who loves us, who cares for us, and who forgives us of all our shortcomings. Please, Lord, help us to be mindful of those that are around us that are lost. Help us to have great success in reaching out and showing them the gospel uh, that they might understand the love that you have for them and that they might submit their will to your will so that they can understand and enjoy the hope of eternal life that you offer them. Please be with us in our study tonight. Help us to lay aside all the uh, wants and desires that are inside of us and uh, allow ourselves to drop the guard so that our feelings might be hurt, but uh, that you'll heal us and repair us and help us to be stronger after we understand your word and after we make application to our lives. Thank you for your word. Thank you for guidance. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 tonight, continuing our study of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we've been studying through this primarily on Sunday mornings, but I really wanted the Elijah study to come in on Sunday mornings uh, and make sure that everybody heard that. I felt, feel like that series is really uh, 
an encouraging series for everybody throughout this time. So we're just kind of swapping it up, and I might do some overview sermons on Sunday nights as well, and kind of go and do Second John and Third John. Those I might be able to do uh, in, in just a week. Typically, I have two weeks to work on the overviews, uh, so I've kind of paused that. But I might be able to fit those in again and uh, try to try to encourage you with with book overviews. I think those are very helpful. But we're going to try to continue our sermon on the Mount study because this is. To me, this has been one of the most encouraging uh, studies, and, and really not because it's all good news. I mean, we kind of talked about this. This is not really the good news. This is kind of an understanding of where we hope to be one day, that we're not there yet. Uh, Jesus is revealing to us things we're doing wrong uh, as he tells us how we ought to be and, and the righteousness that he expects from his people. Uh, really, it kind of hurts us, and that's okay. Um, we, we, should, we should deal with that and, and come out of that stronger whenever people are critical of us or whenever we hear something that, that is not uh, really what we like to hear. And we've, we've had that throughout the Sermon on the Mount. We've had uh, Jesus tell us about being angry and how he expects his people to not be angry. And if we're angry with our brother, then it's the same as committing murder, I mean, in, in the eyes of God. Like, God has a high standard for us that we not be angry with one another. Uh, he says that about lust, that if you lust, then you've committed adultery, right? There's this high standard. Uh, if we, if uh, we lie or bear false witness or anything like that, God is looking at that, and he's seeing the way that we're acting, and it's a sin, and it's, it's a rebellion against God, and we need to, to correct and try to change our lives to be like Him. Um, at the end of chapter 5, He said, You must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. And this is what we're striving for. Uh, and it's not easy, but this is our goal. This is our, our desire in our life, is to shine as a light, to be like God, for everybody to see the righteousness of our God, that He is good, that He is holy, that He is pure and righteous. And so, this news is going to hurt our feelings. Um, as we study tonight, uh, living in a prosperous land, uh, as we talk about money, it's, it's going to hurt our feelings. Uh, let me get through these slides, sorry. We're going to be talking about money tonight, and it's going to hurt our feelings. Think about for a second why we stockpile things and hoard them up. Why do we do that? Why has everybody gone crazy doing that? I mean, this is not the first time that's ever happened, right? Uh, but you go to the grocery store now, and what do you see? You see no meat, you see no bread, <laughs> you see one milk or something, I mean, just ridiculous, like nothing on, on, the, on the grocery store. And the bread is all the, the gluten-free stuff or something that, you know, it's just not as good or whatever. And you're just, you're just kind of like, what's going on here? Like, why, why all of a sudden does everybody need so much more? Like, that's not even logical. It doesn't even make any sense. Uh, toilet paper, whatever. Uh, you know, why? Why are people going crazy like this? Why do we stockpile stuff? Why do we hoard things up? Well, people right now are in this panic, and this is, this is what they're doing. They're stockpiling. They're hoarding up so that they have enough, so that they feel that sense of security, like they're okay, and everything in their world is fine. And so, as we study tonight, we're going to see Jesus essentially rebuke us for doing that. Uh, and not just the small, the, the, these events where we go and we stockpile stuff up, but just a, a way of life that is revolving around stocking things up and laying up treasures and things like that. So, uh, 
you know, this is something that, that hurts all of us whenever we really try to apply it uh, down to the level that Jesus is, is hoping that we'll apply it as we study it together. Let's, let's start by reading verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Notice, do not lay up treasures for yourself uh, on earth. This is, uh, this is a money topic that is very important to Jesus. If you look at all the Gospels, what you see is money is one of the most talked about items on Jesus' list. Money is mentioned like five times more than any of the other things. And, and like I heard somebody say in the book of Matthew alone, uh, money is mentioned over a hundred times. As you look at parables, as you look at uh, teachings of Jesus, like money is something that he's constantly mentioning and constantly talking about. And we wonder kind of why. Why is Jesus doing that? Well, uh, we don't like to hear about money uh, because we struggle with money. Money is something that we enjoy. Money is something that we pursue. Money is something that we, 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 we feel comfortable when we have it. And we, we give it a lot of importance in our lives. Like money is something that these Pharisees in Luke 16, 14, uh, they essentially were uh, speaking out against Jesus. They were ridiculing Jesus because he told them essentially that they were being bad stewards of the gifts that God had given them. So money is something that Jesus constantly wants to talk about and that the world constantly doesn't want to listen to. And so we have to fight this in ourselves. That Jesus wants to talk about money. He wants to say some hard things. And we need to listen and make sure that we understand what he's saying. And what he says here is that the treasures that we lay up on earth will be destroyed by moth, rust, thieves. Uh, they'll, they'll be destroyed. They won't last. Money doesn't last like we think it will. Uh, we, we give all this emphasis, all this uh, exercise, all this work toward money thinking that it's going to, to last us or thinking that it's worth all this effort to have a, a huge stockpile of money or a huge stockpile of stuff that we buy with our money. And what he says here is he points to all these things, you know, uh, moth is going to eat it up, right? Garments are one of the most important things. Like this is a very valuable thing in those days. Well, you don't get moths eating clothes that you're wearing, right? You get moths eating clothes that are stored in the closet. And so he says that moths are going to come in and eat those things. Rust is going to come in and destroy uh, and corrode the fine goods that you've, you've collected. And, and thieves are going to break in and steal those things. These things won't last. And in our world, in our society, I mean, money is essentially this digital commodity, right? Uh, and it doesn't last because what's happening with the stock market, right? I mean, it's just, it doesn't, it, it's, it's dependent on a lot of factors that are outside of our control. There's a lot of uncertainty about this money. And this is what Jesus is trying to point us to as he talks about all of this. Um, the reason why we should not lay up treasures on earth is because these things don't do what we hope they'll do and what we think they'll do. So, so what should we do? Okay, don't lay up treasures on earth. What does he mean by that? Don't have a bank account? Don't have a retirement fund? Is that what he's saying? Uh, you know, some people might look at the rich young ruler in that story and then say, and I may have even kind of wondered this a, a few times in my studies, 
Should we live like the rich young? I mean, like he tells the rich young ruler to live, sell all you have, give to the poor, and, and go and follow Jesus? Is this what Jesus wants us to do? But as you look, Jesus doesn't ever tell anyone else what he told the rich young ruler. He doesn't tell them, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor and then follow me. This is not his requirement in order to be his disciple. You must sell all that you have. The disciples were not uh, given this requirement in order to be his disciple, that you had to sell everything. Before you leave that fishing boat, you need to go and sell the fishing boat and then give me the money. Like That's not the way that Jesus uh, operates at all. And so the rich young ruler did this, but... He was told this, but Zacchaeus wasn't, right? Zacchaeus paid back fourfold what he had taken away. And this, is, and this was pleasing to Jesus. So what is it that Jesus is after? Well, the rich young ruler valued his possessions more than he valued God. This was between him and God. And so Jesus tells him, you have to remove the possessions in order to get to God. These possessions have taken your heart away from God. And you must remove them in order to be with God again. And so this is, this is kind of what he's pointing to for us. We have to remove that desire for those possessions in order to get to God if those things are standing between us and God. Now, when we study scriptures in general, we don't see that it's wrong to have possessions, right? I mean, it's not that everybody who becomes a Christian should have zero possessions and live in a monastery. That's not really the picture we get of New Testament Christianity. But there is a mentality and a mindset about having wealth that we need to pay very, very close attention to. Uh, one text that I think is really good for us to, to notice is 1 Timothy six seventeen, where he says, As for the rich in this present age, Paul is talking to Timothy, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Now there's a number of factors in this that I really like. Just for one verse, to kind of wrap our minds around what riches are and how important it is to handle them correctly, this is a really packed verse that Paul gives to Timothy, or, or sentence that Paul gives to Timothy. He tells them, charge them not to be haughty. You know, don't, don't think that they're too good or that they're, they're because they have all these, these riches, they are better somehow for it. Uh, and that they should maybe hold on to those things to, to keep that preeminence uh, and not to set their hopes on those things. That's well, what Jesus is saying. Don't set your hopes on the amount of money in your bank account. Don't set your hopes on the amount of stuff in your house or your hopes on the size of your house, or the newness of your house, or the newness of your car. Don't, your, don't set your hopes on anything that is in this world, that is on this earth, as though it is going to be the end all. can't tell you how many times I've bought something thinking, well, I've got this brand new thing, and it should be the last one that I'll need for at least, you know, six, seven years. I mean, this should, like, do me. Or, or maybe this is the last thing I'll need for my life. Like, I got a premium Bible. I'm like, oh, yeah, this thing should last an entire lifetime. But be realistic, right? It's not, it's not real. That, that things can happen to these temporary things. These are not things that will last. And this is what Paul is pointing Timothy to in order to help the rich to deal with their riches, in order to have the right mindset toward our riches, that they are truly uncertain. 
And Jesus says the same thing. Moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. It is uncertain in all of these things. Like they, There's no certainty in, in having them. There's no real security in these things. But he says, instead, set their hopes on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So here's that twist of a mindset. That the things that we have are not what give us certainty, but that God is what gives us certainty. And He gives us the things that we have to be enjoyed. So how should we view these things that we have? Well, we enjoy them, right? But we're not haughty with them, and we're not uh, hoarding these things and, and storing them up for ourselves. This is what Jesus says. Don't lay up treasure for yourselves. Instead, be willing to give these things away. Instead of trusting in these things, be willing to give these things away and let them go. They're not, they're not permanent. Nothing is permanent. Uh, that, that we're holding on to so tight, it can be taken away in an instant. And how real is that to us right now? That all these things that we thought we would have forever can just disappear, that they can be taken away in a moment's notice. And what Jesus wants us to do is have the right heart and the right mindset about the things that we possess. This is His desire throughout all of this uh, this sermon is have the right heart, have the right mindset about all of these laws and all of these things that God wants you to do. He has given us these things to be enjoyed but to be used for His glory because we're stewards of the things that we possess. And none of these things last. So we're not seeking to accumulate more and more and more, which is a common theme, right? This is what we do. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, realized this. I've, I've kind of come to this understanding over the course of my life as an engineer. Did that for like eight years. But whenever I started off, you know, $42,000 as I'm starting off and me and Jenna alone. And, you know, that's okay. It's, we're, we're surviving. We're written. Uh, it's kind of a junky place. It's not too bad. It's okay. Uh, and, and we got enough money. We're surviving. We're fine. Uh, and then I get $10,000 raise. Oh, wow, man, life is good. <laughs> Everything's going great. And then it gets higher, and then it gets higher. And as I'm getting more money, instead of, you know, finding this happy medium where all the needs are met, and I'm even able to set maybe a little bit aside here and there, and then stopping, and then as it goes up, putting it to the Lord, or giving it to the Lord, and thinking more about, what God has given me and how I'm supposed to be using it for the Lord, what we tend to do, as what I tended to do, was just increase the standard of living, right? This is, this is the American dream. We increase, and with the increase, we improve our lives, right? We have more money, so now we have bigger cars, nicer cars. Uh, we, have, we go from living in a shack to living in a much bigger house, uh, and, and maybe it's much bigger than we really need. Uh, I, I actually bought a 2,800 square foot house and remodeled it and stuff. But, you know, how much do I need? But, but whenever you buy that big of a house and then you start putting stuff in it, it's amazing, if you've ever done this, how much you can put in a house. And then you, you move. We moved from Hartzell, Alabama in the nice big house. And we thought we were going to West Palm and we were going to be moving into an apartment that was like, a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment or something because it's so expensive to live there. 
And so we're just like having yard sale, we're selling stuff, we're trying to get rid of everything in order to make this move. And I'm just blown away by how much stuff we bought, thinking all this stuff will last us forever, and then everything kind of changed, and then we're like, we don't really need all this stuff. And so we start selling it. And then, fortunately, our parents were able to keep some stuff that we thought we needed, we had to have, uh, and we were able to move into a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house that the elder owned in West Palm. And so we lived there, and we were able to take a lot of stuff with us there. And it, it, it helped us to not have to get rid of so much stuff. But then after we moved back here, we, we moved into our new house, another three-bedroom, two-bath. And we had all this kind of stuff, and we didn't really... We started noticing we, we're not using this. And the stuff that we left at our parents' house, we just lived two years without, and we realized we didn't really need it. But there was this mindset inside of us. What if I need it one day? You know, what if, I, I know I'm going to need to use that at some point. You know, whenever we were in Hartzell, we're cleaning out the garage, and I've got this thing full of bolts and nuts and screws, and I'm just like, man, I know I'm going to need one of those one day. I don't know when, but I know I'm going to need it. But I have nowhere to put it. And the truth is, I, if I need it that bad, I can go buy another one. Like, why am I keeping this much in the hopes that I might be able to use it and, and pinch and get what I need? Like, this is our mentality. This is the way that I, I've handled things in the past. And once we moved here, we started rethinking all this kind of stuff. Instead of, I mean, as we, as we had held on to so much that was in my parents' house and her parents' house... And we just thought, we're going to need those things one day. We realized if we needed them, we could buy them. Or we could, we could probably do without them and live just fine. And it's going to be okay. And so we just you know, let it go and just whatever. And then that started into something more. Like, we need to think differently about all our possessions. Like, everything that we own, do we really need this? Am I, am I using it? Have I used it in the last two years? Why do I still have it? And we cut down like 30% of our possessions just by going through and seeing what we haven't used. And our lives are so much better now. <laughs> like, and we still have a ton of stuff. Like, seriously, as we go through, as I go through this text, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. I'm still convicted by that. Like, I have more than I need still. There's still more than I need. But where I was and where I am is totally different. And I hope that I get even more down the line and, and understand this even more. Because there's still this tendency, there's still this desire to get something newer, to get something more. My car is old. It's got problems. Maybe it makes sense to get something else. Maybe it makes sense to upgrade. Maybe it makes sense to get a new vehicle uh, in order to have a number of things. Maybe that makes sense. But I'm thinking differently about it than I used to. And this is what Jesus wants us to do. To realize that all of these things don't have the value that we give them. They just don't. They're not as valuable as we want to think that they are. They do not provide us with what we think they will. And we have to have the heart that says, I'm not trusting in these things and I'm okay without them. Because one day we're going to lose them all. In an instant. And we're going to be without them. And it's okay. Uh, and we have no control over all of these kinds of things. And so hopefully that's helping us as we're thinking about all this. But you keep reading. You see Jesus tell us, 
Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here Jesus tells us, consider this investment. (laughs) You're trying to figure out your investments. You're trying to see where can I put my treasure that, that will give me the most uh, use that will, that will improve my life going forward, that will give me that security and that peace. And he says, consider this investment. Uh, what's going to benefit you more? What is temporary and can disappear in a moment or what is eternal? That's your, that's your weighing of options. What should I go after? What should I focus my mind and my heart around? What's going to benefit me more? Imagine this. Imagine you have the option between a brand new car that's just like every other, everybody else's car and a brand new car that somehow, way, changes itself to be a new car every single day. Doesn't ever lose that new car smell. It maintains itself. It does all of the things for itself. It improves itself. It has new safety features every week, right? I mean, that, imagine the, the idea of eternal and something that is, is never going to fall apart, something that is never going to get old. And this is what Jesus is offering to us, that we can lay treasures in a place that, that never grows old, a place where all of these treasures we're storing up will be there waiting for us and will be there with us throughout all eternity. Like, this is the offer that He's making to us. So, we think about the trade between a new car and a car that makes itself new and does everything. It's it's pretty simple decision, right? Trying to figure that out. But still, our hearts are pulling us toward the things that are here, right? Uh, as, we, as we consider these investments, a lot of times, you know, you, you consider maybe putting money in retirement, and you think, okay, I need to do that. Um, and I think that's important, and I think that's a good thing. Um, or you think about having all of those possessions and thinking, you know, well, I might need it one day. Right? This is something that I'm really, I really fight, and I think all of us fight to some extent. Our hearts are pulling us to hold on to what's here. Like, if I, if I lay up that money in heaven, then I don't have the money to do as much here. And so we're weighing all of these things, and our hearts are pulling at us. Notice what he says, that if we're putting our money here on earth, that's where our heart will be. That's where our heart will be. That's where our desires will be. But if we're putting our money, putting our treasures, whatever that is, we're we're focusing our life around building up uh, uh, hope in heaven that is eternal, then our heart will be there. If our minds are set on those, those things above instead of the things that are on the earth, that those things are going to be given to us abundantly. Like where our treasure is, our heart has to be. And if, if we see in our lives that we're pursuing the earthly things, He's trying to help us to understand your heart is after those earthly things. And this is the major problem. This is what Jesus is trying to help us understand. That if our heart is pursuing the earthly things, we're not looking forward to the heavenly things. And we're not laying up the treasures in the heavenly things. And we're in danger. So he tells us what to do in verses 22 through 24. He says, The eye is the lamp of the body. 
So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And he says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Notice the way he talks about these things. Um, He talks about uh, the the eye being the lamp of the body. He talks about serving two masters. There's pictures here that he's giving us to try to help us to make a decision that is right about all of this. He says, number one, that we have to evaluate our heart's true desires. He's talking about the eye being the lamp of the body. We'll talk about this more in a second. He's really trying to tell us we have to evaluate our heart's utmost desire. And number two, he's telling us we have to be sure that we're choosing the right masters. And this is kind of confusing. So let's, kind of, let's, let's break this down a little bit more. First of all, evaluating our hearts. What does he mean when he says the eye is the lamp of the body? We have lamps that are a switch. <laughs> and we don't even see the stuff that's like flowing into them. But they would have like an oil lamp, right? This is the way they had lamps. That, you remember the parable of the ten virgins? They had an oil lamp. And it would have to be filled in order to, to continue the light. So he says the eye is the lamp of the body. This is, uh, this is where the, the desires are. Like everything that we desire is coming through our, our eyes. And the way he talks about the eye being this oil lamp of our body is that it illuminates our, our eyes as we desire, as we focus, as we think about certain things. It either illuminates our body or it fills us with darkness. So you have a picture of light and darkness which he's talked about earlier. The eye that is focused, or the heart that is pursuing the treasures that are in heaven is a healthy eye. In order to understand this, you understand the previous context. Where your treasure is, your your heart will be also. And then he says, uh, an eye that is healthy is full of light. It is, it is an eye that, that is focused on the right things. It's healthy. It's looking at the right things. It's pursuing the right things. But he says that the eye that is bad has a body that is full of darkness. You see how the impact here. Like he's giving us this this, uh, emphasis on our pursuits, on our our desires, on our passions. And if I'm ever teaching somebody who is uh, maybe a new believer, we often go through the Sermon on the Mount for new believers. Um, Whenever I get to this section, I really want to emphasize this. God does not just want our external actions. He is not just looking for us to do all the right things. But He wants our hearts. And that's what He's trying to show us here. Our heart has to desire Him. In order to to have a good, healthy eye, in order to be full of light, we have to have a heart that is desiring the things that are above and not the things that are on the earth. Jesus does not just ask us to do all these things for Him. He asks us to pursue and love Him with all of our heart. Number one command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He's telling us the pursuits in life mean everything to God. If we're not pursuing the right things, then then we're full of darkness. This is the critical point. 
where we either decide that we're following God or we're not. What are we pursuing? This is what God cares about. He wants us to be hungering and thirsting for Him. This is His desire. I love Isaiah 55. This is one of my favorite uh, Old Testament texts. In Isaiah 55, verses uh, 1 through 9, you get the whole picture, but we'll just read the first three verses. God says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love of David. Notice the way that this is is presented, that God is calling for people to come to Him to find satisfaction. He's he's pointing out, you can come to me without any money. Like, I don't care about your money. I'm not looking for your money. You give it to the poor. You, you, You don't make money and you serve me. That's fine. But come to me. Rely on me. Pursue me for satisfaction. And He says... I will give you the rich food. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and he says, that your soul may live. This is what God is calling us to. This is his invitation to us. That we would desire to find satisfaction in him first and foremost in our lives. Like this is this is everything to us that we want what God has to offer us, not what this world has to offer us. And James, he calls those who are seeking after the things of the world adulterers and adulteresses. And he says, "Do you not know that f- friendship with the world is enmity or uh, making ourselves an enemy of God?" And we don't want to do that. We want to be a friend of God. We want to be pursuing the things of God. And so this is what Jesus also is trying to get us to do. To stop pursuing earthly things that fill us with darkness. And to start pursuing with our hearts the things that are above. And investing our lives in the things that have eternal significance. The next example, the next picture he gives us is is verse 24 where he says, No one can serve two masters. This is a totally different picture, but he's talking about the same things. He says, Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then at the end he says, You cannot serve God and money. So there's two masters here that are pictured for us. Well, what does he mean? Is money a master? Well, how can money be a master, right? It's an inanimate object. (laughs) Money doesn't tell us what to do. Okay, that's not what it's capable of. So why does he say, why does he depict money as being our master and God as being a master and there being two masters here? Well, we're either serving the pursuit The desire is our master to have more money, to have more security through possessions and all those things, or we're desiring God's will. 
and all the things that God wants us to do. And if we are trying to do both, he says it's not possible. If we're pursuing money and a desire for more and building up more and finding security in our money, we are not pursuing security and life through God. These are two polar opposite things. As I pursue one, I am against the other. As I pursue the other, I am against the one. He says, if you're you're trying to serve, if you're a steward being given these things, and you're trying to use them to serve one master, you're not using them to serve the other master. We're We're not really doing what we think we're doing. We're not really serving both at the same time. We're hating one and loving the other. We're devoted to one and we're despising the other. You cannot serve God and money, he says. The the servant must use what his master has given him with one master in mind. And the master of money is essentially really the master of ourselves. Our own desires, our own passions for things of this life, our own accomplishments and the things that we can do for ourselves overrule the commandments of God and allow us to substitute out the commands of God in order to say, well, God would really want me to be happy, wouldn't He? God would really want me to be comfortable. We just want to indulge a little bit. But we have to be careful. God's given us these things to be enjoyed. It's not wrong to have possessions. It's okay to have possessions. It's okay to enjoy the blessings of God. But don't think that that's where your security lies. And don't serve those passions as though that is what this life is all about. Don't love your money. Love God who gave it to you and use it to glorify Him. Don't don't use it to glorify yourself and glorify uh, our, our passions and our desires above God, but use them instead to glorify God. Now, like I said, this is one of those sermons that hurt people's feelings. Nobody likes talking about money. And especially not right now. This is a sensitive subject. I mean, we're losing lots of money right now. Uh, Everybody is. But I hope you can find some encouragement in all of this that there's something better than money. Money is not evil, but if we hoard it or if we hoard up our possessions, it's just feeding uncertainty in our lives. And this is what we've seen as all these events have unfolded. If we have uncertainty about life, it's because we're focused on our money. And if we were focused on God, then as those things took place, we would just say, God, you're in control of these things. I'm shopping in the the grocery store and I'm seeing nothing on the shelves or, you know, I can't stockpile my pantry. It's okay. God, you said you would provide for me. Provide for me and I trust you. And I'm content with the things that I have. I'm content with the food and the drink that I have today. And so there's uncertainty in money, there's uncertainty in storing up things, but there's no uncertainty in God. And this is why He wants us to focus on God. He wants us to see the internal investment opportunity that He's trying to provide us. I love the text that I I skipped over earlier in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is the way God gives. He says to us, I want you to give, and he says, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, 
will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. This is the way God views us. Like, if we're willing to give in order to set up a treasure in heaven, if we're willing to give, as he said in the first part of this chapter, without looking for exaltation from men and, and some kind of a reward for ourselves on this earth, if we're willing to give like that, God promises to give us abundantly beyond what we deserve. Like, pressed down, shaken over, that's giving us a picture. Have you ever been to Five Guys? If you ever been to Five Guys... What they do is uh, burgers and fries. They'll, they'll make you a burger and you order the fries. They'll take a whole cup of fries and they'll just dump them in there after the fact. And I mean, it's, it's, it's overloaded with French fries. More fries than you can really eat. And this is the way God is. He throws in the extra. He, he, he pushes down the grain in order to get all the air out. And then he pours more in and then he pushes that down. And he gets as much in there as he can to pay you back beyond what you really deserve. This is the way God wants to bless us. This is the investment that we're making. This is our opportunity to really lay aside something that is so much better than what we have on this earth. So we need to evaluate our hearts. What are we pursuing? Are we pursuing this earth? Are we pursuing life after this life? Uh, and, and all the blessings God is giving us, are we giving God the glory? Are we saying that this all really ultimately belongs to God anyway? And I will use it as I can to serve Him. Yes, I have responsibilities to take care of my family. Yes, it's wise to set aside a retirement amount to take care of myself at an old age. It's a wise thing to do. But I'm going to be trying and pursuing to live a life that's not about accumulating. It's instead about giving. Giving away. You know, God does not tell us in the New Testament to tithe. That's not the command in the New Testament. He says, give as you've prospered. Give with a joyful heart. We're not limited to 10%. We can give more if we want. <laughs> we can give as much as we want. And the widow gave all that she had, her two minds. So giving is, is something we really need to have a different mindset on. We need to find the need. And I'm not saying give the church here all your money. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not looking for that. But I'm looking for everyone to store up more for themselves in heaven. And I'm looking to try to do that myself. To think more in this way. If I can lessen my standard of living and have more money at the end of the month, then I can give it. And I can set aside the ultimate retirement fund. That is eternal. I want you to picture Jesus living on earth. We find that he had a house in Capernaum. That he had things. But as he lived, we don't see that he held on to any of those things. He didn't say to God, well God, I know you want me to go to the cross. And I know you want me to do all these things for mankind. But I really like my, my house in Capernaum. And I really like all this stuff. And we don't see him constantly checking with Judas. Hey man, how's the treasury looking? You know, and, and trying to keep up with finances and be very meticulous about that. Being overly concerned. He's not that way. Like We don't see him that way at all. And then we need to kind of think about ourselves. Like how do we think about money? What is our, what is our desire for our money? Is our desire to accumulate so that we have enough to, to feel secure and to feel rich or to feel wealthy or to indulge in all the things that this life has to offer. I know there's people who live on next to nothing 
and, and they're perfectly satisfied with that, and they give their stuff away. I want to be that person. And, and I think we all should desire to be that way as Jesus is trying to encourage us in this text. But ultimately, the main thing we need to learn from this is we must pursue God above all of these things. Otherwise, we're full of darkness. If our whole life's pursuit is money, then we have made money our master and we have failed. And we have to change our perception of life. We have to become more focused on the heavenly things that God desires us to do. We must come to God and we don't have to bring money to God to, to make Him happy. But we must come to God desiring what He has to offer and willing to give up our hold on life. Because all these things that we buy don't satisfy us. And we realize that. We can give them away and we can find more that satisfies us after this life. This is a hard text. And as you continue, we, we've already covered 25 through 34. But as you can continue, you see he goes from talking about laying up excess to being concerned about the things that you need. Like that's the flow of this text. Is that he talks about your excess and then he talks about the things you need. Don't even be anxious about the things that you need in this life. So, I mean, really all of this is trying to develop our mindset on earthly things and help us to have the right perspective. How hard is this for us? It's extremely hard. Uh, I'm not going to come up here and preach this and say, I got it all figured out and this is no problem for me anymore. But it becomes easier the more that we study and the more that we learn about God and what He's done for us, the more we feel satisfied in God. The more we know God, the more we love Him, and the more we find satisfaction in Him. And so this, is, this needs to be our pursuit. Well, I appreciate your attention and, and that study. I hope that's helpful to you. Uh, we're going to uh, take a break for just a second and end the live stream, and then we're going to go through and do uh, some songs. If you were live streaming with us tonight, thank you for being with us, and uh, we hope that this was helpful to you. Uh, thank you. Let's go to God in prayer, and then we'll transition over. Holy and gracious Father, we know that you love us and that you care for us, and you know all these temptations that lie before us in this life as uh, we're, we're faced with great riches and blessings on this earth. We know that we can pursue money more than we ought to. Uh, we know that we're tempted to do that because everyone is doing it around us. We know that we can put our trust in uncertain things, and that the recent events has maybe helped us to, to rethink those things, to understand the uncertainty that's in all of those things. But we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to have the right mindset going forward. Uh, you'll help us to use whatever we have at this time to glorify you, uh, to put you first as those around us have a greater need than we might. We pray that you'll help us to use wisdom and discernment and use these things in a way that, uh, that is putting you before ourselves and that we're serving you and not our money and not the pleasures of this life. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, and thank you for the hope we have in him that even though we fall short, we can be forgiven of our sins and we can turn to him and find grace and mercy uh, through his blood. Please, Lord, watch over us all and, and help us to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.